You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Thank you for that, Aaron. What a great message and song, uh, that God is all-sufficient for us, and I'm thankful for that truth. Well, as I mentioned earlier, um, we're going to be um, getting into the message today, but I won't have you stand uh, for, the, for the reading of God's Word today. Uh, Hebrews 11 is where we're going to be primarily, and then we're also going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Hebrews 11 and 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to spend, uh, Hebrews 11, where we'll spend most of our time, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, is uh, where we'll turn and just look at one verse here in just a little bit. And uh, before we get started, uh, I feel the need to pray, and uh, just looking around the room, it's a little different setting here as well uh, for, for me, and I want to make sure that I'm still able to convey the message uh, that God has given me this morning and, uh, and, and present it in a way that that is pleasing to him and clear, and I need the Lord's help today. Let's pray. Father, we come and we are humbled that you give us the opportunity to open your word. And I say, oh, give us uh, as if we're together. And really, we are in spirit and in heart. We're together this, today. We're, we're here looking into your word and asking you to speak to us. And I know it looks different, Lord. Uh, I pray that you would help us to be able to set aside distractions and to be able to set aside what is different and focus on what is the same. And what is the same is that your word is still true and effectual and it is still valid and practical and relevant to our lives. So I pray as we look into your word that you would use it to make a change in our lives. And Lord, we ask you to speak to every heart that's listening. And I pray that you would use this to help strengthen our faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you've heard the story of a Frenchman named Charles Blondin, who he used to walk on a tightrope across Niagara Falls in the mid-1800s. And he, was, he got to be so comfortable on the tightrope that he would do things like wear a blindfold and walk across the Niagara Falls. Or he would do things like cook an omelet while he was out on the rope. I mean, he was so comfortable on the rope. Well, one day, he looked at the crowd, at least as the legend goes, he looked at the crowd, and uh, he, he asked the crowd if they thought that he could push a wheelbarrow across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And, of course, they all cheered yes and, and, and were excited and, and yelling, and yes, you can do this. And then he looked at one of the men in the crowd, as the legend goes, and he said something along these lines, well, if you believe that I can do it, why don't you get in the wheelbarrow? See, it's one thing to say that you believe something, and it's another entirely to be willing to put your trust in it. We can say that we believe something strongly, but you find out when your faith is actually put to the test, when something has to be done with what you say that you believe. And I believe that that's the point we're at as a church. I believe that's the point that we are in 
in time as God's people in this country. We've said for so long that we believe God's word and we're committed to him no matter what, but we don't really know until we're asked to climb in the wheelbarrow and prove it. See, honestly, I believe that this is a wheelbarrow moment for us. This is one of those slices in time that reveal whether we're disciples or consumers. And I know I've said that. I've been saying that really honestly for about a year. It's been the theme of most of my preaching at the beginning. Is, is Are we really disciples or are we consumers? Do we do what we do because we're committed and we believe it and we have faith? Or do we do what we do just because this is a part of life and this is what we do? It's just another another compartment in our lives. We're discovering right now how much of our faith is real and how much is lip service. Hebrews 11 is one of the great mountaintop chapters in the Bible. It highlights the importance of faith in the life of believers. And it uses examples of great men and women to show that the way of faith is superior to the way of the flesh. Some have called it the hall of faith in God's word. And I began to consider this chapter in light of the current events in our country. And as I read it, I realized that, this, that, that each person listed in Hebrews 11 faced a wheelbarrow moment. They came face to face with whether or not their faith was valid to them. They came face to faith with, face with whether or not they had enough faith to, to act on what they said they believed. They were face to face with a circumstance that would reveal just how strong their faith was. You know, faith is our belief in and commitment to the things of God. Not just what we believe, but how convinced we are of it. Faith is believing so strongly in something that you're willing to place your trust in it. Faith is getting in the wheelbarrow. And it starts at salvation. And, and this isn't necessarily my focus today, but I want, to ju- want you to consider if there's someone listening or watching or sitting in this room that has never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, then you cannot live a life of faith. Your first step of faith to get in the wheelbarrow is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is the absolute first step of faith that you have to take. If you've never taken that step, let me encourage you to submit to the Word of God and the prompting of the Holy Spirit and confess your sins to God and ask Him to save you through the death, the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he rose from the dead on the third day to give us victory over our sin. And that can be yours today. You just need to get in the wheelbarrow when it comes to salvation. Now, for the rest of us, we have begun the journey already. We, have, we started that journey of faith uh, when we were saved, when we received Christ as our, as our Savior. But it's easy as you go along in life uh, to stop living by faith. It's easy to be saved by faith, but walk by sight. It's easy to say we believe something and then not be willing when it comes down to it to actually act on it and do it. Well, there's no doubt that the names listed in Hebrews got in the wheelbarrow. That's what they have in common. They all had faith. But what I find interesting in this chapter is their faith doesn't all look the same. See, I think we sometimes assume that everything done for God looks and feels a certain way, that it has to be inside a certain box, but that's not the case in Hebrews 11. I just want you to consider these examples of faith in this chapter. Look at verse 4. It says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, 
God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. See, Abel's faith, what did it look like? Well, Abel's faith is he brought an offering by faith, and his brother Cain did not. Abel brought a lamb of his flock, Cain brought fruits and vegetables. And I don't know that it's so much what they brought, as it is the fact that Abel did it by faith, and Cain did not. God called him faithful. He said he had faith because he gave an offering by faith. That's, that's what Abel's faith looked like. But that looks a little different than the next guy on the list. Look at verse 5. It's Enoch. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This is Enoch's faith. What did Enoch's faith look like? Well, we're told that Enoch walked with God, and God took him before death. He had a testimony of one that pleased God. He's called faithful because he walked with and pleased God. His faith looked a lot different than Abel's did. But God still calls it faith. Look at verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to, to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. What did Noah's faith look like? Well, he spent 120 years building an ark before he'd ever seen rain. God called it faith because he diligently obeyed. In the face of difficulty and persecution, he endured and and finished the job of faith over many years. And as we go along, I I want to remind you to consider how each of these folks, each of these people listed are labeled as having faith, but it looks different every time. Look at verse 8. This is Abraham. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What did Abraham's faith look like? Well, he was willing to leave his home and everything he knew to go to an unknown destination that he'd never even been to before. And then he lived a life dedicated to God, even to the point of living in tents, although he was a very wealthy man. God called it faith because he was willing to follow with minimal information. And that looks a little different than his wife's faith, Sarah's faith. And we could read those in verses 11 and 12. I won't. We know that Sarah had faith. She's listed here. And we wouldn't think of Sarah as having faith. You know, she laughed at God's promises, but she did have faith. She's listed here in that even though she wasn't perfect, she believed God was faithful enough to keep his promises. And her faith looked different than her husband's faith, but it's still called faith. And we could go and we could read how in verses 13 through 16 that these died in faith before they ever received the promise of God. They were true to God without the reward. I mean, that's incredible too that, I mean, the end of the chapter touches on this as well, that in that we have an advantage and that we have the evidence of our faith. It's already been realized in Jesus Christ. We know that he came. We know that he died. We know that he rose again from the dead. But those listed here, they were looking forward to that faith. They never saw it, and yet they still had faith. Their faith was in something that hadn't even happened yet. Abraham's faith continues in verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. 
and, that, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that of, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And here's how he had faith, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Wow. So what did Abraham's faith look like here? Well, he was tested by God and willing to offer up his own son because he believed God would raise Isaac from the dead. That's what his faith looked like. He was willing to offer his son to God. That's unique faithfulness. It all looks different. Look at verse 20. Isaac, it says, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Now, Isaac, I wouldn't necessarily label as being a man of faith, but he's listed here. So we know that even though he intended to bless Esau, he eventually blessed Jacob. And even though his faith may not be very impressive, it says that he had faith. That maybe his faith was changing his mind from his plan to God's plan. I don't know. We know he had faith. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Now, this faith looks a lot different than, than Abraham's did. Uh, I mean, here's, here's Jacob, and he just has enough faith to believe in God's future promises for Joseph's sons. I mean, that looks a lot different, and it looks a lot different than his son Joseph. Look at verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. See, when I think of Joseph's faith, I don't necessarily think about the promise uh, that he gave or the commitment that he gave at the end or that he asked for at the end of his life that they would bring his bones back to the promised land. When I think of Joseph's faith, I think of him sitting in the bottom of a prison cell. I think of him being sold by his brothers to slavery. And yet through it all, he still had faith that God would keep his word. And yet the example that we give here is, is Joseph making mention of the children of Israel going back to Israel. He had faith that God would bring the children of Israel back to their promised land. And he didn't want to stay buried in Egypt. I mean, he had immense amounts of faith. And that's the example that's listed here. The next one that, we're, that, we're, that we see is Moses. And he, and he had lots of faith. It starts with his parents. By faith in verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Uh, Moses' parents, they had enough faith. They weren't afraid of, of what Pharaoh would do when he commanded that all the, all the young boys be killed. They hid him. They knew that God had a plan for his life. They had faith in great adversity. Moses himself had lots of faith. Look at verse 24. Look at all the ways Moses had faith. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. This is amazing. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible... Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. I mean, Moses had incredible faith, and his faith looked a lot of different ways. I mean, uh, his faith was he was willing to give up the life, the good life in Egypt to follow God. He was willing to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin. He left it all. He left all of that for God. That's faith. He had a lot of faith. Then he led Israel to keep the Passover and and he trusted that the blood on the door of every household would protect the firstborn and preserve them. 
And then he led Israel, we see in verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians as saying to do were drowned. So Moses had enough faith that it impacted the entire nation of Israel and they were able to walk across the Red Sea on dry ground. That's incredible. Think about just what that looks like. I've never seen anything like that. Every instance of faith here in Hebrews 11 looks different. You've got Rahab the harlot in verse 31. And and she had faith enough to trust the word of God through the spies that she hid from the authorities. And, And she, in the end, her faith looked like a scarlet cord hanging out of her window. And it protected her and her household when the walls of Jericho came down. We've got a list in verse 32. You've got people like Gideon and his faith. What did it look like? Well, he followed God against all odds. And you've got other judges like Barak and Samson, who is a carnal man, but he's listed here as having faith. God used him to kill many of God's enemies. You've got Jephthah, who defeated Ammonites. And then you've got David listed. David, what a man of faith David was. A remarkable faith. And you think about the countless stories of his life. In my mind, I see David walking out across that valley of Elah and looking and seeing Goliath and and standing there in the face of great danger when no one else would stand up. Here's David with great faith. And that's just one story of his life. You've got Samuel the prophet. And he's following God faithfully. You've got this list. Name after name of name and name of people. And every one of them had faith. But none of their faith was the same. It didn't look the same. It was different every time. And then you've got this list toward the end of the chapter, and I'm going to read it, and then we'll get into more application. Look at verse 33. Think about how their faith looked. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of, mouths of lions, Daniel. He quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. They didn't even see the end. They didn't even know what was coming. They had faith that it was, but they didn't see it yet. And yet they had that kind of faith. And that doesn't even include the New Testament believers. I mean, most of the apostles died for their faith. The early church was persecuted and driven from their homes. They were forced to meet in houses, if at all. Peter was in prison. Paul was stoned and beaten and shipwrecked. John was exiled to an island. Faith takes many forms. It doesn't always look the same. Listen, faith can look different from person to person. My test of faith may look different than yours, yours different than mine, and ours different from everybody. It can look different from generation to generation, from country to country. Think about this a month ago. What did faith look like for us? 
you know, I'm, and I'm just thinking about how our faith, what, what looked like faith or what we thought was faith a month ago has changed so much. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to illustrate this if I can pull this off today. I'm not sure I have thought all the way through it, but I was looking in my office today at, at coffee boxes. And I've got, we've got a Keurig here at the church. And, and when I first started drinking coffee, I, I, I was not feeling well. And, and, and the warmth in the morning is kind of how I got started drinking it. But I started drinking Pike Place from Starbucks. Now, if you know anything about coffee, you know that Starbucks Pike Place is pretty strong coffee. It's stronger coffee. And for a while, for a long time, I thought, well, this is, this is all that there is. You know, it's just Pike Place. That's it. It's the only coffee there is. And, and for a while, I think I, I was a little bit like what we can be as Christians. You know, a month ago, what did we think faith looked like? Well, faith looks like this. This is just what it looks like. You attend every service. You love, you love God. You walk with God. You read your Bible. You pray. You live a holy life. That's what you do. You give faithful to your local church. You, you're involved in activities at church. You, you know, have a good time after church. You you serve faithfully in your local church. You fellowship with other believers uh, when you can. You love other people. You give the gospel wherever you go. You know, invite other people to church when you're at the store and, and when someone's checking you out at, at Walmart and you teach and train your children the ways of God. This is what faith looks like. About a month ago, this is the list. You do your best to be a blessing. You know, this is what it looks like. You, you maintain a good testimony. You go to work every day. You witness at work. You you tithe and give and you're good with your money and and try to take care of things. This box represents um, our view of the Christian life. This is what we've gotten used to. And and, and we have to be careful, though, to assume that this is all it can look like. Because honestly, does the Christian life that we live now, that we've been living maybe even for the last hundred years or so, does it look like it did in the early New Testament church? I mean, I'm hoping in matters of personal conduct and character that we are similar. But in terms of daily life and church life, it probably looks a lot different. A month ago, faith looked like this. A month ago, we assumed, well, this is the way faith looks. This This is the only way to see faith. But the more you think about it, the more you realize that faith looks a lot different. It can change quickly. It can look differently from one generation to the next. And even more than that, the last few weeks have proven that faith can look differently from one week to the next. I remember um, the first time that somebody introduced me to uh, an, another kind of a coffee. This one's called Veranda. And, the, and see, Pike Place is kind of, it's, it says smooth and balanced, but Veranda blend is mellow and soft. I don't know exactly what that means, But, you know, for a long time, I thought Pike Place was the only kind of coffee. And then somebody introduced me to Veranda Blend, and I was like, ooh, I like that even better. So for a while, this is all I drank. And, you know, my my paradigm started to shift. I thought, well, this is the only way that, this is how coffee looks right here. But then somebody introduced me to something new, and it started to shift. You know, the box even looks different. I mean, it's the same shape. And then not long after that, it was interesting, then somebody else, um, I think it was the Steens, they introduced me to Caribou Coffee, the reindeer blend. And this one says it's cheery and decadent. I think they give too much credit to coffee flavors, but, 
But you know, this box looks one way and it's still coffee. This box looks a different way and it, it, and it has a different flavor, but it's still coffee. And this box, it looks totally different than these two boxes, but it's still coffee. And what we have to do is be careful to think that faith always looks one way. That faith, this is what faith looks like. And anything different than that, it, it, you know, it can't be faith. Our faith one month ago looked like this. And now our faith is starting to look like something totally different. Our faith was one thing a few weeks ago. But now, our faith now is having services as a church family over the internet. Our faith a month ago was one way. But now, our faith is having fellowship with just a few instead of many. A month ago, our faith may have looked like this, but now it's trusting God to protect our families. A month ago, that our faith looked like one of these, but now it's believing that God uh, will have to intervene and, and heal the sick ones. And now our faith says that we have to operate as if God will provide for our basic needs. I'm not saying we're that desperate, but it could get there, folks. A month ago, faith, we were comfortable, everything was fine. Now, there are some that are just trusting in God's daily provision because they're not working a job anymore. A month ago, we were comfortable and we were just kind of resting in, in our routines and thinking, well, this is what faith looks like. Well, now, just a few weeks later, we are resting in God's ability when the money gets tight or when you need supplies that you cannot find. And I'm not trying to paint a destitute picture I'm just saying that faith, it doesn't take much to change the face of faith. It can change just like that. It doesn't take much or long for things to change. But through all of it, there's a point that we must remember. And it's found over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want you to turn there and look at this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. And it says, moreover... It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know that word faithful here in 1 Corinthians? It's from the same word faith in the book of Hebrews that we just read. It's the adjective form of faith. But God doesn't put a qualifier on it. See, the idea here is that no matter what it looks like, you believe God and you act on it. See, being faithful doesn't always look like what we think it should. But God doesn't limit our Christian walk to a specific list of duties. He simply says, whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, if it's comfortable or not comfortable, if it makes sense or doesn't make sense, if things are good and peaceful and restful or they're not, whatever it is, you just be faithful. And I want to sum up that phrase in three, in three phrases for you. When God says be faithful then I think that means, here is what it means. Do what you know to do, do all you're able to do, and do it with all your heart. Do what you know to do. Do all you're able to do, and do it with all your heart. So what do we do? I mean, the situation's different. Our faith looks totally different. Back then, we were, this is what it looked like. Now it looks like this. What do we do? Well, here's what you do. Do what you know to do. Well, how much should we do? Do all you can do. And how should we do it? Well, do it with all your heart. Be faithful. Even if it looks different than a month ago, be faithful. And even if it looks different a month from now, we don't know what it'll look like a month from now, be faithful. All we're asked is to be faithful. No matter the circumstance. 
No no matter the situation, no matter how desperate it feels, no matter how much things change, you think about that list in Hebrews 11, their faith was different from person to person. You know, it's different for us than it was a month ago. So what do you do? What does it look like to be faithful? Uh, What does it look like to do what you know to do and all you're able to do and do it with all your heart? Well, right now, I think it looks like this. Be faithful to your church and be faithful to your church family. You say, how? Our in-person services are canceled. Well, how how are you faithful right now? Well, you do what you can. You do all you can and you do it with all your heart, which means watch every service at the time requested. 10.45 on Sunday mornings, 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. How do you do it? Well, be accountable to each other. Spend time together. Watch the services together. Invite another family over. Be encouraging to another family and watch together. We, we may not be able to meet together as a whole church body, but we can fellowship and encourage each other from house to house, which is actually a pretty biblical approach to church life. You can still be faithful to your church by watching Eastside's church services at the times given and include other people in the plans. It's not like you're saying, well, everything's different. Everything's different. I can't be faithful like I was a month ago. Well, God doesn't ask us to be faithful like we were a month ago necessarily. He just asks us to be faithful. He says, do what you know to do. Do all you can do and do it with all your heart. It's going to look different for a while. It may look different for weeks. It may look different for months. But all he says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. When you have people over, how are you going to be faithful to this? Well, don't treat it like a watch party. I'm, get dressed and take it seriously and stop the conversation. Treat it like a Sunday morning service. But be faithful. Yeah, we know it looks different. It's totally different. None of us have ever been this way before. But just be faithful. On Sunday nights, come between 5 and 7 and and give and pray at that come and go time. You don't have to stay the whole time, but come. And if you're sick and you don't feel comfortable, I understand it's not required, but I believe the routine of coming on Sunday night and the exercise of faith will be good for us. Don't miss out on that opportunity. You say, well, that looks totally different. That's not the faith I'm used to. I know, but God doesn't say faith will always look the same. He just says, be faithful. Yeah, it looks different, but do what you know. Do all you can and do it with all your heart. That's being faithful. How else can we be faithful? Well, to your church and your church family, um, but be faithful in prayer. Those Sunday night opportunities for prayer have never been more vital to the life of our church. If you do it here or you do it at home, stop and seek God. We are in a time of upheaval. We need God more than we ever have. And the level of our faith in God will be revealed by how fervently we seek him in prayer. But listen, not just times that are appointed by the church. Pray on your own. Every day, individually, with your family, with your spouse, with friends. Have faith that God can turn this situation around. Pray that he protects and heals those who are sick and exposed. But not just that. Pray that God can turn what seems to be an obstacle into an opportunity. See, this could become an opportunity for revival like our country has never seen before. People that are at their lowest tend to look up. They're searching for something. Your neighbors need some reassurance. And your friends need someone that has faith in something bigger than themselves. People are searching for something more meaningful right now. Pray with faith that God will revive us again. Which he can turn this obstacle into an opportunity. I fully believe that. 
How else can you be faithful? Be faithful in giving. Our church's future depends on your faithfulness to continue to give to God's work. Our missionaries depend on your continued commitment to give to missions every week. They're on the field and they can't raise more support or they can't go out and work an extra job. They depend on us. Don't forget that. Our bills, our obligations, our our staff, they depend on your consistency in giving. If you can give, continue. Be faithful. And you say, but it looks different. What do you mean I have to come and and bring my offerings and put them on the plates at the front of the platform? That's just weird. I know it seems weird to me too. But faith looks different from person to person. Faith looks different from moment to moment sometimes. And I'm not asking you to, to you know, just accept that, well, it's different and we're changing everything. No, I mean, for right now, do what you know to do. Do all you know to do and do it with all your heart. Just jump in and be faithful. I know it looks different. We're not asked to, to uh, change our circumstances. We're simply asked to be faithful through them. Be faithful to your family. You might get more time together than you've had in a while. And, and parents, if you can, you know, you might have to have some patience. I mean, there may be times where you're together more than you've ever been. And you realize, okay, my kids need some training. Well, take the time to train. But don't take the time for granted. Dads, spend time with your wife and your children. Uh, cherish the moments. Grow in the Lord together. Don't neglect God's word. Open it together. Spend time in it, not just personally, you need that, but as a family. And and dads and moms, you have an opportunity to show your children what it means to have faith when times are not ideal. Make some memories. Form some habits. Change some behavior. Use this as an opportunity to grow closer than you've ever been. Be faithful to your family. And at this time, also be faithful to the lost. Ask God to help you shine your light to others. Check on your neighbors. I mean, ask if they need something. Take them a meal and send them a note and give them some hand sanitizer. If you find some toilet paper, hand it to them. I mean, my, my wife was telling me she was at, the, at Hy-Vee with, with Audrey. They were shopping and they just happened to, uh, across this package of toilet paper. Somebody had just sat there and it was like angels were singing. Oh, you know, the, the toilet paper sitting there and They're like, what is this? I mean, it's like a flushable gold, you know? So they picked it up and were walking around with it and and an elderly man came up and they could tell by the look on his face he was concerned and was saying, where where did you get that? And in the course of the conversation, we told him we had some at home already. We think we're doing okay. And he said, we're we're almost out. And, And Aaron took the package and handed it to him. And I'm not, I'm not promoting or lifting her up. I'm just saying, you have an opportunity to be a light. And a month ago, what looked like being a light was, you know, giving somebody the gospel. Well, right now, it may be just helping provide for somebody's basic need. Our faith looks differently now. Go with it. Just be faithful. Embrace the change. Embrace that it's different. And rather than bemoan that it looks different, embrace that God has given us new opportunities. To be faithful. Our best opportunity to shine our light is through our good works, according to Matthew 5.16. Prove your message that you've been preaching this whole time and all these years. Now it's time to prove your message with your life. With a spirit of service and a spirit of selflessness. And not just to the lost. We have those in our church and they need somebody right now. They need some encouragement. 
and they may need someone to help them provide some physical needs that they have. Some of our, our elderly or our shut-ins or our widows, and they need something. And you can be a selfless servant right now, and you can let your light shine in a way that a month ago you wouldn't have had an opportunity to. But now you can. Right now, everyone's resorting to isolation. But as much as you can, use it as an opportunity to show Christ to your neighbors and your friends, fellow church members and co-workers and anybody else who might be searching for something. And you say, well, it just looks different than I'm used to. I'm not sure I can do that right. That's the whole message. And it could look different next week. It might look different tomorrow. The point is, remain faithful in the present because that's all God asks of us. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Do what you know to do. Do all you're able to do and do it with all your heart. And if we remain faithful while it looks like this, okay, let's just assume that this is the harder time for faith. Let's just assume that this is where it gets a little bit more difficult and more challenging and it's different than we've ever been before. This, bo- this is outside the normal box of faith. It looks totally different. Let's just assume that this is what it looks like right now. This is the tough time. Listen, if you will be faithful when it's like this and you will say, God, whatever it is, I will maintain my faithfulness. I will do what I know to do. I will do all that I can do and I will do it with all my heart even though it looks different and even though it's more challenging and even though it might even require a little bit more faith than I've had before. Do all you can do Do what you know to do and do it with all your heart. And when it changes, and if it ever goes back to normal, returns to whatever we think is normal, then you've been faithful here. And when it goes back to normal, you can be faithful here too. Nothing really changes. You're just faithful in the circumstance. You're faithful in the moment. The faith and faithfulness don't change even if the circumstances do. And here's the reason why, folks. Here's why we can remain faithful. And that is because our object of faith doesn't change. See, God is not affected by these circumstances. God is not surprised by this situation. There's nothing known to him. And a verse that I have been turning to is Isaiah 40, 28. Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. This did not surprise him. This did not catch him off guard. Listen, that's why our faith can remain constant. Because he never changes. And that's why all, all he asks of us is to trust him and be faithful. Do what we know to do. Do all we're able to do. Do it with all our hearts. And if God never changes, then we know that the verse in Hebrews eleven six is still true. When it says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If God never changes, that truth is still true. That first, it's impossible to please God without faith. And that means if we have nothing else except faith in God, that's all he asks. But second, we can also rest in the truth that when God's people have faith in him as our object of trust, he rewards those that diligently seek him. And we may not see how and we don't know what it looks like, but we can rest in his promises that faith will be rewarded, both now and in the end. In the meantime, even if things don't get easier, be faithful to do what you know to do, the best you know that you can do it, and on a heart level. 
let God sort everything else out. That's all he's ever asked of us is to simply be faithful. What Charles Blondine did on a tightrope over Niagara Falls was pretty amazing. But not nearly as amazing as what our God can do. Getting in the wheelbarrow with Blondine could have ended badly. (laughs) But getting in God's wheelbarrow never does. See, our God has always been, he always will be. You can trust him. Get in the wheelbarrow. Be faithful to do what you know, even in uncertainty. Be faithful to do all you can, even when it looks different than it used to. Be faithful with all your heart. Get in the wheelbarrow and let a God worthy of our faith take care of the rest. I know it looks different. I know this is different. I know this is something we've never seen before. But, I, but all God asks of us is not to understand even. Not to go out and change our circumstances. Not to make things the way they used to be. But to see, simply be faithful in the way things are. It's time for some of us to get in the wheelbarrow and just trust our God because this has not surprised him. This has not caught him off guard. There's nothing unknown to him. Get in the wheelbarrow, even if it looks different than it used to. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.